Huzzah! And welcome back to Keep Rolling, the tabletop RPG podcast for the casual gamer. My name is Santi. I'm a tabletop fan, podcast host, and all around real human being. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the show. I hope everyone's doing all right out there. Hope you had a good week. Mine was pretty good. Very little, very little uh, tabletop happening in my life at the moment. I've uh, been very busy during the week. Uh, the schedules with my group hasn't been lining up like I'd I'd hope it would. Um, so a little bit of a struggle right now to actually get something going. But hopefully, sometime in the future, sometime soon, I'll get something going. I'm hoping you guys have had plenty of chances to uh, to enjoy your tabletop games out there. And if not, I hope you get too soon. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into the episode today because we're continuing what we were talking about last week, which was this idea of building a world, right? Like building not just um, a campaign um, like idea, but but a whole setting, right? Starting from the ground up. And last week we kind of started with, you know, where do you get started, right? Like where do you where do you start? building a a whole like homebrew world and today I wanted to take it a step further and talk a little bit about like how do you populate that world right because assuming you've you've listened to last week's episode and you've kind of already you know got the foundation set right like you've you've built a creation myth or you know started with a world map or however you started you've got some sort of foundation for your world now right and now you know now that that foundation has been set you, you need to fill your world, right? You need to fill it not just with people, but like with an environment, with, you know, a, a set of, of rules, and, you know, just you, your world has to go from being sort of this this thing that's almost like a shell, right? You, you've got like the, the M&M shell, right? And now you need to fill it with the chocolate. Um, I don't know why that metaphor <laughs> sounded kind of gross. But, <laughs> um, but I, I think a good place to start and, you know, Obviously, like with everything I talk about, you can kind of start from your own place. This is just kind of how I how I kind of do things. But one of the places that I like to start from is the, actually the environment, right? And you probably did a little bit of this if you've already created a world map. But I think one thing that's like really kind of crucial when you're building like a homebrew world is thinking about like what does that world actually kind of look like, right? Like what is it? what does it feel like? Because... You know, our world, if you think about it, you know, has a feeling, it has a um, an environment that is different kind of everywhere you go. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> the environment informs everything, right? Like we came out of our environment, we're shaped by our environment. So your world is also going to be the same, right? Like the people who occupy your world, they're going to be shaped by the environment of your world. And so, you know, one thing to think about is like, is your world like, mono environmental right like like mono um temporal almost like you know i i use that word wrong but you know is your world kind of all one climate or does your world kind of change if, if as you go from place to place now obviously the way our world works right like different parts of of the world have different climates they have different cultures they have you know whatever but you know you're creating a fantasy world a science fiction world um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like our world. Like you think about Arrakis from Dune, right? This idea of a whole planet filled with desert, or you think about um, a fantasy example that I can't think of, <laughs> but uh, 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 Conan the Barbarian, right? You think about that, almost that entire world is just 
step, right? Just, you know, tundra almost. So, uh, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with creating a, a world that is that is mono climate, that is mono environmental, because I think I think doing that kind of sets your world apart almost like it gives it this real sense that, you know, this isn't the real world. This is somewhere else. You know, we're we're living in a fantasy space. So I think that's definitely one way to go about it. And it definitely makes your job easier, right? If you're like, oh, we're playing on, you know, world flabamagoo and it's entirely you know jungle based well hey man that makes everything a lot easier because you don't have to worry about you know doing anything with your players in terms of like well are you dressed for the environment you know are your characters ready to you know go from this to this it's all one thing you can kind of you know when you're pulling influences you can pull from different places um or you, you can pull from a lot of the same places because you don't have to worry about, you know, like, oh, well, I don't know if, you know, my characters are appropriate for the junk, you know, whatever. So that is definitely one way to do it. But I think the way most people, you know, approach, like, the environment of their world, and I'm I'm definitely falling to this camp, is, like, you know, different areas are going to have different climates, right? It's kind of reflective of our world. So, you know, for me, one thing that I did, and, and this is definitely, like, the laziest <laughs> way you can do this, but I did it for the own my own ease of use is I kind of broke my world into four kind of separate regions, right? Like one world that is perpetually kind of stuck in springtime, one that's perpetually stuck in summertime, winter, fall. And for me, that made it a lot easier, right? Because, you know, I can set an entire campaign in the winter. I don't have to worry too much about, you know, my characters going off into the into the jungle or whatever. But then that that kind of informed my world too, right? Because, you know, if I've got this entire region of the world that is perpetually stuck in wintertime right what do the people who live there what how do they function right like you know what what is your life like if you're perpetually stuck in the snow in the cold you know what what kind of outfit do you have if you're perpetually stuck in the summertime you know what kind of environment does that create this this horrible desert you know kind of awful place those kinds of things will inform you know your your world you know maybe you've got a a world that is you know or a region of your world that's you know mostly a jungle but then there's this weird patch of winter in the middle you know or maybe you've got the opposite or whatever you know you're not limited by the rules of the real world like if you want to limit yourself that way that's totally fine you know you can create a world that's you know northern hemisphere southern hemisphere when one's in winter the other's in summer you know you can definitely run it like that i don't think anyone anybody would would fault you for it right but the other thing to consider is that, you know, in addition to your climate, you have to think about like, you know, what is, what is the physical environment, right? Like, you know, is this a is this a, a world that is full of mountains and deserts and and, you know, rocks and stuff? Or is it is it a gentler world? Are there a lot of grassy fields and beautiful forests? You know, is this an idyllic, you know, Tolkien-esque, you know, Hobbit-like world? Or are you guys running around Mount Doom, right? Are you, you know, is it all lava and whatever? Again, those things are going to inform your world because they're going to talk about, you know, what kinds of things live there. You know, if you've got this world that is all, or not even the whole world, but like, let's say, you know, you have a region of your world that's all desert, you know, who chooses to live in the desert or who who's best adapted to live in the desert, right? Not just humans, like people, but also if we're talking fantasy world and even science fiction, you know, you've got lots of different races, right? Like anthropomorphized races, you know, in fantasy in particular, you're talking about elves and orcs and, uh, 
tieflings and, you know, whatever else if we're talking about D&D. But, you know, even science fiction, you know, you've got humans and aliens and and variants of, of both of those hybrids, you know. So it's important to think about, like, you know, like, let's say you're talking about science fiction. You know, you talk about, if we go back to the Dune example, right, you don't just have, you know, the people, uh, you know, that occupy the wider galaxy, but you've also got the people of Arrakis, right? And the fact that Arrakis is this this desert world, this this harsh, unforgiving world, you have the Freeman, right? The the however you say that, the Fremen, the Freeman. I've never said that word out loud. <laughs> but, you know, they are an entire entire group of people who have adapted to live in the desert, right? And they their whole culture is surrounded with, you know, moisture and water and and that's an interesting idea, but it, it grows out of this idea that they live on Arrakis, which is this harsh, unforgiving desert world. So I think it's important to think about those things, right? Like, not just the climate of your world, but the physical, the physicality of it, you know, where things are. You know, it informs not just how people move, but how people live, you know, how they, how their culture develops, right? You know, even in our world, you think about, you know, uh, the the indigenous people who live, you know, in, in Alaska and... Um, the indigenous people who live in Siberia, right? They've adapted to live in that environment. Or you think about, you know, a lot of the the groups who live throughout Africa or um, even in, you know, pre-Columbus you know Columbus America in the Mojave Desert, right? Like, those are harsh environments, but they created these very unique cultures. So that's something to consider too, right? Like, what kind of cultures are going to come out of, come out of your, your environment? Because that's the other thing you have to think about. What kind of, you know, world are you crafting, right, in terms of the people? Because even more than your environment, the, the thing that is going to give your players the most sense of a world is the people that they meet, right? Your NPCs, the, the, the characters that, that populate your world, because they're the ones living in it. They're the ones who are going to breathe life into it. And so it's important to think about not just, like, you know, the physical world, because I mean, if you spend a lot of time describing, you know, what the trees look like to your players, they're going to get a sense of their physical environment, but they're not going to feel the the heart of that world, the spirit of it. It's important to think about like, you know, what do the cultures look like? You know, what do the, how do the people function is, you know, and I kind of talked about this in the last episode, but you, you know, you think about prejudice, right? Like, is this a world that is prejudiced? Is this a world that's divided? Or is it a very, you know, um, is it a very, very uh, 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 united world? I, I couldn't think of that word. Um, you know, you, it, we, we go back to Tolkien, and I talk about him a lot because I, I do think that, you know, he's kind of the blueprint for fantasy world building, right? But you think about Tolkien has this idea that, you know, at one point, all of Middle Earth was divided against this greater, or united against this greater evil, right? You know, the races of man and, and elves and dwarves, they all came together to fight off Sauron. And, you know, is, is that the kind of world you're, you're living in, right? You know, are the, the races of the world, you know, willing to come together for a bigger fight? <clears throat> or are you operating in a world that's kind of like ours, right? Where, you know, a lot of times the world is divided between very similar groups squabbling over very, you know, minuscule differences, <laughs> right? And I think a, a good example of, the, of, of one of those examples, right, this idea of like a divided world, I have, you know, a friend who I play with quite frequently, and he, he created this world, right, that's divided pretty heavily into different factions, right? He kind of has this, this fascination with, with a faction world, and he created this world where there's, you know, these, 
these groups of Templars and there's these groups of mercenaries and there's these groups of, you know, and it's sort of like divided that way where, you know, if you're, if you're a Templar, you know, you're not going around and hanging out with, with a bunch of mercenaries. Now, obviously in his campaign, we, we were all, we all chose for some reason to be mercenaries. So that kind of worked out, but, um, you know, there's, there's these divisions between people. There's these factions between people and they don't get along and they don't work together. Right. So, you know, you, you have to think about a world where, you know, what, what kind of relationships do people have with each other? You know, what, what kind of cultures develop as a result of those things? You know, do you have a world that is populated by cultures that are very similar to ours? You know, I think a lot of fantasy is rooted in that. Now, sometimes, and I, I feel like I have to bring this up, if only because it is part of fantasy storytelling. You know, a lot of cultures in fantasy are based on real ones, but they're based on the sort of caricatured idea of it, right? Like, you know, one thing that I think is, is not often touched upon enough is this idea that orcs and, like, orcish tribes, especially in, in you know, mediums like World of Warcraft and even Tolkien to an extent, they're based on these, like, you know, this caricature of, like, Mongolian culture, right? This idea that at one point... Mongols were these roaming tribes of quote-unquote savages who you know roamed the world and that's what a lot of orc culture is based on especially in things like you know video games and and you know world and work world of warcraft in particular so it's important when you're when you're kind of building your world to to keep in mind like if you're basing it on you know real life culture you know are you doing it in a way that is that is, and this is obviously, you know, a whole, <laughs> a whole episode unto itself, and I'm sure I'll get to it at some point. But, you know, are you basing these cultures on a on a positive representation, or at least, you know, a nuanced one, or are you making a caricature, right? And I think, you know, even though, you know, a lot of people might might say, well, you know, we're just playing a game for ourselves, like who cares? I think it's important, you know, to have kind of dignity when you're creating any kind of writing you know, that you're sticking to um, a nuanced perspective on things, right? Like, if you want to just do, you know, tropes and, and whatever and, and all that stuff, that's totally fine, you know, do you. But I think for me, your players are going to get more enjoyment out of a world that is that is nuanced, right? That does have complex characters, right? Like, you're going to have villains, and v villains are always important, in a, especially in a tabletop game, because you are playing a game, right? You need a goal to achieve, but... There's something really interesting about a world that has nuance, right? Like, I think, you know, a, a game that, you know, a lot of people really get a lot of appreciation for is Fallout New Vegas, right? And I know that that's not a tabletop game. It's a it's a video game, right? But I think one of the things that people really loved about that video game was this idea that everyone you talk to in that game has some sort of motivation and they have some sort of, you know, interesting reason for doing what it is they're doing. And every faction that you talk to in that game, you know, has their own idea of how the world should operate and how, you know, they think things should go along. And they have interesting nuanced relationships with each other, right? And there's a reason people often cite that game as such a beautiful example of storytelling. And if you've never played it, you know, obviously none of this means anything to you. But the, po the larger point I'm trying to get at is that when you're creating a world that has, you know, different cultures, it's got different people, it's got different, you know different ways that you know your, your your races kind of interact with each other i think there is something to be said for nuance right like the 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 typical fantasy idea we think of is like you know uh, elves and humans and dwarves are good 
and, you know, orcs and goblins are bad, right? And trolls are bad and whatever. And you could certainly do that. And I don't think anybody's going to call you out on it, right? But I love this idea that there are worlds where, you know, maybe orcs aren't inherently evil, right? Maybe orcs are just people like the rest of us, right? They've got their own motivations, their own nuances. You could even turn, you know, a story about, you know, a campaign about orcs, you know, into a really interesting conversation about, you know, the way that we view marginalized groups, right? <laughs> like this idea that, you know, we've perceived orcs in a certain way for so long. And obviously they've become aggressive and self-defensive because like they've been the ones kicked around all the time, right? And you have your your players interact with these orcs who, who give you a perspective of what it's like to live a life that way, right? Now, obviously that would take a lot of a lot of finesse to do that in a way that that wouldn't be kind of ham-fisted. But um, again, the larger point I'm trying to get at is that your players are going to appreciate a world that has nuance in it, right? That isn't just black and white. That isn't just, you know, this faction good, this faction bad. I think there is catharsis in those things because I wish we lived in a world that was so easy to delineate between good and bad. But that's that's kind of a, a conversation for, for a, lar- a, a different time. Um, and I, I now realize that I've kind of rambled on this one specific <laughs> aspect of world building. But I do think it is something that matters more than a lot of other things when you're talking about building a world, right? Like, again, your people are everything in your world. The, the, the characters you create, the cultures you create, you know, the groups of people that you create, those are going to inform everything because your players... They're, you know, they're not going to do a lot of interacting with trees, right? They're not going to do a lot of interacting with rocks. They will to an extent. But the number one thing they're going to interact with is the characters you throw at them, right? The characters that you write and flesh out and and give meaning to and life to. Um, they're going to remember those things, right? Like, you know, we, we care so much about hobbits because... Tolkien gives us time with the hobbits. You know, he gives them nuance. He gives them, you know, interesting things to think and say. So give your players that, man. Like, give your players this opportunity to to learn about the people. You know, obviously, yeah, they're still going to hit stuff with the sword. And that's, you know, obviously the whole point of what we're doing here. But in between that, you know, give your players a glimpse into this wider world. Because I think they'll appreciate it, you know. And it'll make those moments where, you know, maybe they're chatting with an NPC by the fireside. Or they're, you know, talking with the barkeep or whatever. You know, it, it'll give them this idea that they're living not just in this little pocket universe, but in this 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 whole big world that you've created. And I think they'll get a, a better appreciation of it. So that's all I have to say on that. I had a couple other points I was going to hit, but I kind of went off on this tangent. <laughs> so uh, there is a part three coming to this to this series. So stick around next week and we will talk some more about building a world. But thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, leave a nice review. Five stars really helps out the show. If you have something that you'd like to tell me, a question you'd like to ask me, or just a comment you'd like to make, you can send me an email at keeprollinpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is keeprollin, R-O-L-L-I-N, podcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at podcastrollin on Twitter. Again, that is at podcastrollin. But if you don't want to do any of those things, just refresh that podcast feed next Monday, and I will see you here again next week. Huzzah!